This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Arsenal news show. Joining you every morning at 8am at UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for joining me and making this a part of my morning routines and yours. Uh, it is very much appreciated. Uh, do drop a like on the video, do subscribe to the channel and all that lovely stuff of course and uh, I hope you're having a fantastic start to your weeks. I've certainly had a good Monday. I feel refreshed. I feel ready. And despite Tuesday usually being the worst day of the week, there's stuff going on in the world that makes it not so bad. So uh, let's uh, jump into the chat box and say good morning to people. A1, good morning to you, to Penny Ween, to Johnny, to Barry, to Maximius, Marcus, Jimbo, Matt G. Johnny, uh, we've got Phil, we've got uh, Jimbo, Louis, Mr. Ree, uh, Stevie, Amira, Josh, Morgie, Grantley, Poos. Uh, we've got Rich, we've got uh, Guna, Jake, Martin and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you, everybody, uh, for tuning in. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Let's uh, jump into today's stories straight away, shall we? Uh, and we kick off. Uh, obviously, we did our Royal Reaction show yesterday, so we got a little bit of news outside of just what happened yesterday to discuss. And that little bit of news is indeed that Arsenal's former uh, head of recruitment, Sven Mislintat, was sacked by Ajax after another very disappointing weekend uh, frustratingly, um, for the for the German, uh, it's really really bad for Ajax right now. They currently sit 14th in the Eredivisie with one win, two draws, and a defeat. Uh, their stadium was was vandalised by supporters, and Sven Mislintat has lost uh, his battle and support of the boards, um, and has been. Um, removed of his, his duties there were suggestions that the and the mirror reported that the the chief was being investigated following a summer deal at Ajax as well uh, he was being probed over the transfer of Croatian defender Borna Sosa to Ajax on deadline day last month uh, in August uh, but uh, it's very interesting they say that it's not related to that and it's just because of a lack of support from the board so 
very interesting indeed. And certainly Arsenal, I think, uh, ended up uh, doing the right decision in moving on and finding their way to Edu as Arsenal have gone up the table of Ajax themselves have certainly gone further down it. Uh, Saka suffered what is described to be a bad bruise uh, against Spurs, but nothing too serious. That is obviously um, it's really positive news for Arsenal. He's used to getting these bumps and bruises. His Saka, he gets tackled every single day, uh, be it in training, be it on, in the games. And uh, certainly Saka uh, is always going to have to deal with these types of little clashes and hits throughout your time playing in the Premier League. But it's positive news um, that he it's nothing serious and that hopefully he'll be ready to play against Bournemouth. I would be a little bit disappointed if he started the game against Brentford on Wednesday night. I don't think that we need to start Saka. I think that we can rotate. I think Nelson can come into that right wing position. We can you know, play without him and give him the much needed rest that he needs as we get closer to that game against Manchester City. I think resting him and keeping him as fit as possible. He looked so shattered at the end of that game against Spurs. And obviously that was also exacerbated by the injury that he suffered as well. But it's not serious and hopefully he'll be back very, very soon indeed. Uh, Trossard is also some really positive news. He could return for the game against Bournemouth after only suffering what was a slight muscle tightness last week, and that kept him out of the game against Spurs. Martinelli as well, uh, he's also progressing from that hamstring injury and could be ready for the game against Manchester City in what is a really positive turn of events in terms of the injury situation. We were really missing both Trossard and Martinelli in that game against Spurs. Had either one of those two been fit, and Jesus was able to play through in the middle, I think that we would have been in a much, much more confident and uh, and comfortable position, especially after the way that we played against PSV the previous Wednesday evening. Declan Rice uh, has that back issue, as we know, after the game, but it's said not to be serious and that he hopefully will be back in contention ahead of the game against Manchester City as well. There is, you know, maybe a small chance he could be back for next weekend or this weekend coming, but I'm not sure I would take the risk away at Bournemouth. And also Thomas Partey is expected to be ahead of schedule. There were initially suggestions that Partey would be back after the international break, which is the break following the game against Man City. However, uh, there are suggestions that maybe he'll be in contention to play against City. So let's wait and see. And we'll follow this thread and we'll continue to keep you updated on the situations and scenarios of both players. But that's five injury updates. Thomas Partey, Declan Rice, Gabriel Martinez, Leandro Trossard and Bakai Saka, all positive responses. So in terms of Arsenal's injury situation, yes, we've got a little bit, a little bit of a mini crisis, if you like. But... Uh, certainly there is lots to be said. Peter, no, they didn't say that about Saliba. I know you're relating there to the back issue not being serious. They didn't say that about Saliba saying it wasn't serious. There was always concerns and Arteta always said you didn't know how it was going to evolve. We didn't really know when he was going to be back. So no, let's not mesh the two together. There was not a correlation between the words being used about Declan Rice's back injury and about Saliba's back injury. So please do not stoke the fire uh, with inaccuracies. And lastly, our headline story of the day is that uh, according to John Cross in the Mirror and plenty of other reports, to be fair, and there's been links to Ivan Tony for quite some time, Arsenal are stepping up their interest ahead of the January transfer window for the Brentford striker. Um, now, I've talked about Ivan Tony at length in previous shows. I've given my thoughts on Ivan Tony in previous episodes. I was on with Lee Judges and Dan last night and Adrian talking about, you know, what Arsenal need to do. And for me, I, again, I have my doubts about Ivan Tony as a striker. Is he going to be able to bring goals to Arsenal? I'm sure that he would bring goals to Arsenal. But 
the suggestions that we need to go for Ivan Tony and he's the guy that's going to save Arsenal and take Arsenal striking position to the next level, I just don't think the evidence is there to back up that that claim. And not only that, but I use the words in the thumbnail of uh, raise your standards. Like can constantly, 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 I'm told that as an Arsenal fan, I need to quote raise my standards because either Arteta is not good enough or competing for a title with Man City and not winning it isn't good enough or not winning the Champions League is not good enough. And even though we're progressing consistently year on year, it's not good enough and I need to have a higher standards. Well, I say to those people that are saying that to me that want Ivan Tony, that you need to raise your standards because for me, Arsenal need to go into the market when available and get an absolute elite striker when the opportunity arises. And be aware that if we sign Ivan Tony. That is us committing to that striker for the next however many seasons. You know, he would probably replace Eddie and Ketier and give a dynamic of competition between Jesus and himself. And if he was to come, I would absolutely back him and hope he succeeds. That's not what this is about. This is about Arsenal making sure that they sign the right player. And when you see comments like this from Mafia Boss saying, Tony will definitely do a job. I don't want a striker that's going to do a job. I don't want a striker that's going to, do a, do a decent job for Arsenal. I want Arsenal to go out and go and get the best. I want Arsenal next summer to go out and spend over 100 million quid and bring, it, bring in the best possible striker available. I want Arsenal to compete for Victor Ozzyman in the market. That's what I want Arsenal, to go out and get that calibre of forward. And you might say to me, well, Arsenal can't afford that. Well, if Arsenal want to go and get an elite striker, they need to be able to go out and afford it. They need to be out going out and spending it. We need to go deep in the Champions League this season and going out and get your Victor Ozymens of the world. You know? And not only that, but there is significant evidence to suggest that Ivan Tony is not going to take things beyond really what Gabriel Jesus has already done. And the evidence is numerical and the evidence is certainly in the statistics as well. Last season, we talk about the 20 goals that Ivan Tony scored. Six of those were penalties, by the way. So let's talk about the 14 goals from open play that he scored, which, by the way, is just three more than Jesus. And Jesus missed, importantly, a significant period of the season. If you want to take it down to goals per minute, I've got no problem with that. You know, Tony got 0.61 goal per 90. And Jesus was only 0.48. So 0.13 less than Tony. And, And that is, you know, that's facts. He's scoring less goals per minute than Tony. Last season compared to, uh, sorry, Jesus is scoring less goals per uh, per 90 compared to Tony. But if you're the Arsenal striker, your job is to do far, far more than just get on the end of chances. And Brentford's system is all about getting the ball to Tony. He's the spearhead of the attack. The guy at the end of every single attack is designed to be Tony. If you're the Arsenal striker in Mikel Arteta's system, it's not just about scoring goals. And that's why when you look at the goals and assists per 90 statistics, Jesus is better. Tony, 0.73. Gabriel Jesus, 0.74. And when you look at the goals and assists per 90, but they're non-penalty goals, it's 0.55 for Tony and 0.70 for Jesus. 0.15 goals per 90, goal contributions per 90 being... Uh, delivered without penalties by Jesus in more. 
look, and I'm not sitting here and saying that, you know, Jesus is far, far better than Tony. That's that's not what I'm talking about here. The argument here is about the idea that if Arsenal sign a striker, it should blow Jesus out the water. And we should be going in for a player that completely levels up what we're doing in that position. And I'm just sitting here and arguing, I don't think that Tony does that. He might get a few more goals than Jesus does. I don't want a few more goals than Jesus. I want a lot more goals than Jesus. And I want just as much creativity as well as Jesus brings. Because that's a really important part of the centre-forward position for Arsenal. Shot-creating actions per 90, 2.01 for Tony, 3.62 for Jesus. This guy creates for us. This guy attaches himself to the other players and creates opportunities for them. Jesus is an overall better player for me than Tony is. Ivan Tony's an overall better goal scorer just than Jesus by three goals last season, non-penalty goals. And so I just think that Arsenal need to go out into the market and go and get the absolute best. And if that is a Victor Ozzyman, find out what he costs, pay the money. If that's, you know, maybe a striker that's more collaborative, you know, maybe that's the answer going into the market and getting a striker that's that's more collaborative in that sense is a Latara Martinez into Milan. Is that the type of striker that Arsenal need to go for? Because, you know, Martinez scored upwards of 20 goals last season. It's, it's worth remembering. Is it worth adding him into the fold? Because he's creative, he's technical, he can dribble the ball fantastically well, we can create chances um, for those around him. Could he be the right type of centre forward to go for? If we have a look at the, just having a look quickly at those statistics um, as well, it's important that we consider those that else could be on the market. But for me, you know, I think that, you know, we need to be looking more so at the Victor Rosamens of this world. Um, we need to be going out into the market and adding somebody that is of an absolute elite level. So no, it's 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 not it's not Ivan Tony for me. And I just think that fans that are getting all whipped up in the idea of Ivan Tony are completely kind of contradicting themselves the idea that Arsenal need to raise their standards and then you're pining over a player that doesn't necessarily raise the level as much as we need to. The question you need to ask is is Ivan Tony going to close the gap to Erling Haaland? enough and I don't think he is I also don't think the idea of spending 60 million pounds is is it Razor says Ozzyman is so unrealistic tell me why why is Ozzyman so unrealistic again there's a contradiction here there's a contradiction here about the idea that Ozzyman is so unrealistic if we were talking two years ago I'd agree with you Arsenal weren't in the Champions League Arsenal weren't competing for titles Arsenal weren't in the position they are now if Ozymen is unrealistic, what are we doing? What's the point? What's the point in competing for a title? What's the point in going to try and win the Champions League? What's the point in spending 105 million, 120 million euros on rice? What's the point of showing all of that weight, all of that size, all of that caliber, all of that hype? What's the point? If we're not going to then go into the market and continue along that thread and look to bring in the absolute best. Where are we as a club? Are we not a team that is trying to compete for titles? Are we not in a position? And we say, look at the reports. They quoted 200 million. Of course they quoted 200 million. Let's not be naive. Let's not be naive. Of course they quoted 200. Napoli are going to sit there and say, we want 200 million euros. And Aussie men's going to say, well, I want to move on to the next level. And eventually you have a negotiation. 
And eventually those prices start to change. West Ham wanted 120 million pounds. You know, you're looking upwards of 140 million euros when we first got into negotiations with them. We didn't pay that. You know, we came down on the price. It's not about what they're quoting. Of course, they're going to quote that amount of money because they want as much as they can. A negotiation then happens. And then you come to an agreement. You know, we remember the, um, the Gonzalo Ramos price from Benfica. Benfica were quoting upwards of 100 million euros for Gonzalo Ramos. What has he moved to PSG for? He's moved on loan, you know. <laughs> and this is this is what I'm saying. It's like we can all talk about the prices that are being quoted. We can all talk about the prices that are being quoted in markets and things like that. But at the end of the day, that is not a reason to anymore. It was before when Arsenal were a Europa League side and they were, you know, still trying to grow as a club. Then we could talk about things being out of Arsenal's reach. But not now. No. If Arsenal are a club that have to compete for titles, if Arsenal are a club that are competing for the Champions League, if Arsenal are in the Champions League and going deep into that competition, then no. Players should not be out of Arsenal's reach unless we are talking about, you know, Lionel Messi levels of kind of calibre players here. Then I would understand. But even then, if we want Arsenal to be in a position where we're competing for titles, then that's what we need to go and do. Ivan Tony doesn't close the gap. Ivan Tony doesn't close the gap. That's the reality. Ivan Tony gets us no closer to Manchester City than what Gabriel Jesus does for me. And for me, the, the numbers back that up, the amount of goal contributions and non-penalty goal contributions back that up wholeheartedly. There is no evidence to suggest that Ivan Tony will do that. And yet the amount of pining for this guy I find it really hypocritical. I really do. I really find it really hypocritical. I can't give you any more evidence. I can't give you any more of what I want to say, but I wanted to spend some time this morning on the Ivan Tony thing because I just think that people are overreacting and getting whipped up and, and carried away with this idea of signing Ivan Tony. And I just don't think that that's the right move. And I, Ryan says, I'd rather Tony over Nketiah every day of the week. So would I, mate. So would I. But we ain't starting Eddie Nketiah, you know. We should be starting a player, Gabriel Jesus' quality, uh, you know, every single week. And the only reason Eddie Nketiah plays is if somebody is injured. You know, that's the reality. The only reason Eddie Nketiah plays. If we're, start, if we're talking about signing a backup to Jesus, do you know who the backup to Jesus should be? Jesus, because we should be replacing Jesus and upgrading upon Jesus. And then he becomes the number two. If your aim is to upgrade on the backup, that's not the way in which you improve and close the gap with those up top. The way in which you close the gap is by making your starting players the backup, you know, because they're then competitors, not even backups. We don't like that word here. You know, they become competitive options for us. You know, Ray has come in because we've signed a player that's designed to increase and push the needle. We didn't replace Matt Turner with David Raya. We've replaced... Ramsdale with Raya and Raya is then and sorry Ramsdale has then become the number two so that's that's where we're at I would debate this point with anyone you know I know there are people out there who are really obsessed with Tony but I just don't think the numbers or the evidence or even the standards suggest that that's the right player to go for but again caveat if he was to join I would absolutely back the guy support him and hope that he proves me wrong that is never in doubt I just think that there are and we should be going for better and we should be going for the absolute elite bearing in mind he's not even played football for 
and won't have played football for a significant period of time either. Right then, uh, let's go to part two and we'll jump into the chat box even more and tackle some more of your questions right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's let's go. Uh, Wayne says you're doing too much with this Tony slander. He's a solid Plan B. <laughs> I'm assuming there's some irony in that comment <laughs> because uh, we don't need a Plan B. <laughs> we don't need a Plan B at all. We need Plan A. We need Plan A to be the best. Um, Razor says I think Tony is in more as an Eddie replacement. I don't want to replace Eddie. I want Jesus to be upgraded on and then Eddie moves on and Jesus fills the spot of the second striker. If the, if our, if our plan is to improve on Eddie, what are we doing? Is that what Man City did when they bought Erling Haaland? You know, is that what they did? No, you know, they bought in Julian Alvarez, who at the time was the, the backup to, to Jesus. And what did they do? They signed a player better than Jesus. They signed a better, better than their starting striker to take them to a treble. So are you telling me that the plan is to go out into the market and sign a player that's better than our backup to Jesus and that's how we're going to go out and try and compete with City? No, that's just not... I don't get it. I don't get why people's mindset is this this way. You know, I've been told for years and years and years that my standards are never good enough. And now I'm being told that we're signing a player for 60 million quid to replace a, our number two. It doesn't make any sense to me. How I can be told one thing and then people act another way. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, John says, would you go back in for Vlahovic? I'm not sure that Vlahovic has shown me enough to suggest that he is of that elite calibre of striker yet. It didn't have the best of seasons last season. I know he's had a good start to this season. So let's see how it plays out. Maybe the talent does get realised this season. I guess we will have to wait and see. Um, let's go to uh, if he says, do we want to win a title one day or not? I'm weak. <laughs> we do and if we want to go and win a title then we need to go and make decisions in the market that close the gap to City as much as we can I don't think Tony does that um, Carl says Tom I think the Tony will depend more on the price if he costs 60 million or less I would take him more than 60 million is a mad amount of money for Tony it's a mad amount of money for Tony absolutely mad um, Razor says Tony or Ferguson if we're choosing Premier League options um I think I'd have to wait until the end of this season. 
before I make a decision on that because I need to see more of Ferguson. There's no doubt that Ferguson's got some amazing talent, but we I need to see more. I need more guarantees. I saw someone say to me in the comment section yesterday saying that Ferguson is a sure thing. No, he's not. He's not a sure thing. Have we not learned anything? You know, how many wonder kids have there been that have gone on and just gone into nothingness? You know, so I need I need to be more. We need to be so sure about the striker signing. We have to be so sure about that striker signing. And Dorian says we paid 65 million for Havertz. Exactly. It's exactly my point. 65, 60 million quid these days doesn't get you the player that's going to transform you. It just doesn't. You can get bargains here and there. You know, you think about Odegaard, you think about White, you think about Zinchenko, you think about Jesus, you know, you think about, um, I think Tommy Asu is a bargain. You know, I think Gabriel has proved to be a bargain. Saliba's a bargain. There are bargains out there, but there's no guarantees of that either. Um, and I think, you know, 60 million quid, if we're talking, if we're going to start, I guarantee you that there's people, I've scrolled up in the chat box, but I guarantee you, Razor, I've been talking about mentioned Havertz. <laughs> there you go. As mentioned Havertz, a 65 million, who is poor, let's be honest. And this is what I mean. Like, there's this obsession with, like, comparing the price tags of players. I don't care. Like, but the amount of money is so important at the elite level. You're going to have to pay a huge amount if you want the absolute elite. The only reason that Haaland was costing what he did is because he had a release clause. It's the only reason that Man City got Haaland for the price they did. If Haaland didn't have a release clause, they'd be getting him for like 150 million quid from Dortmund. Let's not be, let's not beat around the bush. That's how much they would have had to, had to pay for. Jane says, it's a Tony hater. That's it. Here we go. That's the perfect, perfect, perfect comment. Because I was hoping that a comment like this would come into the chat box. What you can't do in this sphere of football is have an opinion that differs to someone else regarding a player or maybe a coach. And if your opinion differs, there will always be a portion of people that call you a hater about that person. No, look, we've just had a reasoned discussion. We've just talked about the fact that Tony's numbers do not back up the idea that he is going to transform Arsenal. Does that make me a Tony hater? No. And I just told you if he was to sign, we would, of course, back the guy and hope that he succeeds. You know, but it's just the way in which the social world in which we live in. But it's a, it's a shame that you subscribe to that, Jason. It really, really is. Uh, Isaac says, "Morning, Tom. Have you noticed that Arsenal stops attacking on the right every time the left, uh, every time the left back gets booked? Uh, it's a frustration for me, Isaac. We didn't take uh, advantage of a Doji getting booked at all. You know, we should have really attacked him more, but we didn't, um, and that was a real shame." Bizarre says, Mudrick or Tony? Tony, <laughs> obviously, because Mudrick, if I sign Mudrick, he's going to cost arguably as much as Tony, but at least I know when I'm getting Tony, I'm getting someone that's got a record of consistency in the Premier League. You know, at least I know I've got that. So if, you choose, if you're if you forcing me to choose between Mudrick and Tony, then obviously Tony would be the choice. Um, Abdul says, Tom, here are my thoughts about the overall situation of Arsenal right now. Arteta has been feeling like he's the next messiah of football. This loss should humble him a bit. It's good for him. We didn't lose, by the way. Um, I don't think so. I think the argument that Arteta is arrogant, you know, just comes from a place, um, just comes from a place where people don't really understand what he's trying to do. They don't really like him. Um, I don't, look, Arteta's personality for a lot of people is not very likable. I, I, I understand that. Not everybody likes Arteta. And that's fine. I don't have to ask everybody to like him. You know, I wouldn't say that, like, I like him as much as I like the personality of Ange Postacoglu. You know, I think I prefer Ange Postacoglu's personality. Arteta's quite cold. Arteta can be quite harsh and, and, and brash. He can be 
you know, uh, entertaining and fun and try and make jokes. And he does that. From, but from my perspective, you know, being in a room with the guy at times can be really cold, you know. And so I can understand why somebody may not like Arteta's um, profile. I get that. You know, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna begrudge somebody for for not necessarily liking somebody. You know, you're entitled to like who you like. You know, um, but what I would say is that I don't think Arteta is arrogant. I don't think I think he's stubborn. I don't think he's arrogant. I think he's stubborn. I think he's principled. I don't think he's arrogant. I think he recognised. I think he spoke after the Everton game and said that you know he's a young coach, still three, four years into his time in the job, and that he's got regrets. And someone with arrogance said, doesn't say things like that. You know, They don't say things in reflective terms like that. They don't say that you've got regrets. They'll say, everything I do, I did for a reason, and I was right, and I backed myself in those. You know, you know that, that leans more into arrogance. But Arteta's reflective. You know, He's stubborn and principled, sure, but he's reflective. So I wouldn't say he's been thinking he's the next messiah um, by any means, shape or form. Uh, Jesus, Arteta is playing Havertz on zero merit. Didn't he drop him? Um, I'm pretty sure he's dropped him for the last two Premier League games. I think Vieira started our last two Premier League. So I don't know where this comes from. Yeah, I, th I think uh, I think with the Havertz situation, it's a case of, you know, he started, he started him in the first four games and then he comes back and drops him after four games and plays... Uh, and plays Vieira. So yeah, I don't I don't agree. I don't agree with that. I don't think there is kind of an arrogance about the the Havert selection because he dropped him. So yeah, I, I don't I don't really get it. Um Razor says how do we solve the number 8? Do we need to recruit? I probably yeah. We we probably uh we probably do need to to recruit. I think we The thing is like Partey's injury is really annoying. Timber's injury is really, really annoying um, because I think that Partey and Rice playing in midfield together would be great for a long-term partnership. But right, but Partey is just not reliable enough. You know, he, we need to find a way of moving on from Partey because he's just not there enough of the time. I think if I was if I was choosing my starting Arsenal midfield, it would be Partey, Rice, Nodegaard. That's what I would choose. Um, but sadly, we we don't have that option. And if Timber was available, I think we'd have even more options to. Um, to kind of uh, structure the back four so that that Partey Rice and uh, Partey Rice Erdegaard situation works. Because I think if you have Partey Rice and Erdegaard, I think you can use Timber and Zinchenko and you keep that defensive solidity because you've got Rice and Partey. So, yeah, I, I think uh, that that would be my dream Arsenal three in midfield. Um, we've invested so much money in timber and, and we invested it in a really important position. But make no bones about it. When I talk about getting the elite players like that are on the market or whatever, timber was the best fullback, hybrid defender, if you like, option that we could have bought. We went out and got the best option on the market for me in timber that we could have got. And we've lost him for the whole season and it's still not talking about enough for me. It's still not mentioned enough when we talk about the limitations of Arsenal this season. We lost one of our biggest additions in the summer for such a long period of time. And Rice was not there for the last uh, 45 plus minutes against Spurs. And I'm sure, I'm sure that if Rice had finished the game against Spurs, we would have won that. Just like I'm sure if Martinelli was fit, we would have won that. And I'm relatively confident if Trossard was fit, we probably would have won the game as well. If Jorginho hadn't made his mistake, I think we would have won the game. If we hadn't have conceded so quickly after that second goal, you know. So I think there were so many scenarios where we won that game of the weekend and then when there's not the meltdown that we've had. 
Yes, we've not clicked yet. Yes, we've not played amazingly well so far this season. But I tell you what, besides the Spurs game, we've deserved to win every single game that we've played. And I think if we'd have had the, the players available, we probably would have been deserving to win against Spurs as well. Um, and says, Tom, let's talk about conversion rates. No, let's not talk about conversion rates. Let's talk about big chance creation. Those that think that finishing our chances is the biggest problem in this Arsenal team, I'm sorry, but I don't think you're correct. For me, you're not correct. The biggest problem in this Arsenal team right now is chance creation, specifically big chance creation. We're not good enough at creating big chances frequently enough because we can all talk about how good finishers are and the fact that we apparently need a better finisher at Arsenal. Well, I was listening to the Arsenal vision yesterday and I give credit to Elliot for this because he enlightened me to this statistic. But do you know who missed the most big chances? Well, I'll link this to the question. Who is the best finisher in the Premier League? For me, I think it's Erling Haaland. I think Erling Haaland's the best finisher in the Premier League. He scores the most goals. Makes the most sense, right? That he's the best finisher in the Premier League. Who missed the most big chances last season? Erling Haaland. Do you know who before Erling Haaland was the player to miss the most big chances? Harry Kane was the player that missed the most big chances. And yet we look at those two strikers as two of the best finishers in modern Premier League history, right? Those two, without a doubt, are two of the best finishers and goal scorers the Premier League has seen in modern times. And yet they are also two of the highest and most frequent big chance misses in the league. And do you know why? Because City and Spurs created so many chances for those players. And if you create more and more chances, the percentage chance that you will score more goals goes up. And at the moment, we're not good enough. Big chances created this season, 13. That makes us 12th highest. 12th. We're something like around 40 big chances created less than Liverpool this season. It's not good enough. Big chances scored, we're eighth with five. Big chances missed, we're eight. We've got eight when we're in ninth place, joint ninth place. Our expected goals is eighth. Our shot conversion rate is eighth. So that's that's the problem. Our shot conversion rate is still not great, 12%. We're eighth in the league in terms of shot conversion. But we're 12th for big chances created. Imagine if we had the eighth highest shot conversion, but we were first or second in big chances created. We'd be scoring loads of goals. Loads and loads and loads of goals. Yes, I don't mind if people want to say it's both. That's fine. If you want to say both is an issue, I don't have an issue with that. But I think that the bigger problem is the lack of frequency and big chances that we are creating. Because if we create more and more chances, we are going to score more goals. It's just fact. It's just counting. It's all that it is. So for me, it's about how many big chances we create. Why is that a problem? Well, I think obviously we lacked Gabriel Jesus at the start of the season. I think when Jesus has come back and started in the team, we've now lost Martinelli and Trossard for his first Premier League start. Look at the game where Rice was fit, Saka was fit, Jesus started, uh, Trossard started. Zinchenko's there, White's there, Saliba, Gabriel, Odegaard. Um, and of course, ironically, Havertz starting as well. Look at the game where we started what I think is probably the best starting eleven that we've got this season. The PSV game was the game where we started the best starting eleven available to us this season, I would argue. You know, you could argue that maybe if Martinelli was fit, he would have been in there, of course, too. But PSV, yes, were open and they attacked us. But we created a lot of good chances in that game. 
whether or not the PSV were open and gave us the opportunity to do that, we created a lot of big chances in that game and we took more of those chances because we created more of those chances. And that came from having Jesus and one of our starting left wingers there with Rice, with Zinchenko, with ironically Havertz starting the game as well. So there's something to be said about that. And the best performance so far this season, Havertz started the game. Um, so it's like, it's it's an interesting point of view, I think. But we talk about finishing. For me, don't talk about finishing. Talk about the frequency of big chances that we're creating. And I think if Jesus starts at striker, I think that is going to help a lot. And especially if we have a starting left winger in Trossard or Martinelli on the field as well. But Jesus coming back into this team and starting at striker is going to be very, very important indeed. And uh, and for me, that is it. Uh, Jimbo says, Tom, would you change the formation? No, I don't think you can. I don't think we can. The only way we can change the formation is when Partey comes back fit. Partey and Rice in that midfield pivot, if you like, with Rice maybe playing slightly ahead of Partey. Um, and, and then, of course, Odegaard, Jesus, Martinelli, or Trossard, and Saka. You know, that, that's that's going to take us to much higher heights. I'm hoping that in that game against City, that we've got Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka. You remember, Jesus didn't play the community shield. Um, Havertz started at striker in that game, centre forward in that game. So uh, that, that for me is it. Jason says, Kai Havertz is killing us. Let's be real. I don't think he's killing us. I have my concerns about Kai Havertz, but I think the idea that Kai Havertz is making us worse is, uh, isn't, isn't the case. I don't think he's killing us. I think that we are lacking something. And I think that we lack that that player in the, the third midfield position. The idea that he's making us worse isn't true. He's just not making us better enough. And that's the problem, is that he's not offering enough. He's offering something, but that something is not enough. And and that's a problem for us. Let's be, I'll be honest. If we lost against Man United, we would have killed us because he made a really big mistake in that game. But, you know, he's not he's not killing us in the sense of he's making things worse. He's just not giving us enough. Uh, and that's that's what he needs to be able to contribute more of. And, you know, he's going to get more time. He's going to get more chances. But people that have their concerns are right to have their concerns and are justified to have their concerns. So, yeah, that's that's it. Um, M. Fawn says, release Smith Rowe. Where? Dayar says, Smith Rowe at left centre mid would solve our problems. I really don't think that it's that simple. Smith Rowe's defensive output's not great. And you need someone who can get back and defend and work off the ball. And Smith Rowe doesn't do that. Good going forwards. Good driver of the ball. Good technical player. Great, I think, coming off the bench. Great at left playmaker. I liked him in that left position. But at left attacking mid, no. I'll tell you who I would like to see play that role. And I think it's something that we did in preseason and I liked a lot. I want to see Martinelli start left and I want to see Trossard play in midfield. That's what I want to see. I want to see Rice, Odegaard and Trossard as a three. And Martinelli, Jesus and Saka as the front three. That's what I want. I want Trossard playing in, in that attacking left central midfield role. And I want Martinelli because I think Trossard's work rate's great. I think he contributes in both directions. I think Martinelli contributes in both directions. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Trossard there. Um, and I think that in pre-season we saw Trossard play there and he did really, really well in that position. So yeah, I'd quite like to see Trossard playing in the midfield is what I would like to see. And, and let's not be like, it's not a crazy experiment. We've done it and we did it last season. We saw Trossard come off the bench and play in that position. So yeah, that's, that is what I'd like. I think Rice can do the job of three midfielders 
I think Rice is that good. World class. One of the best, if not the best DM in the league, along with Rodri. You know, and I think that Rodri can can play that, uh, sorry, Rice can play that all-encompassing six and then you can have Trossard and Odegaard ahead of him and then Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. And I think that's a brilliant, brilliant unit to try and attack teams and to create more high-quality chances. I think that's a great option for us. But at the moment, Martinelli and Trossard are both injured. And so that is... Uh, that that is that is a problem, but no Smith Rowe for me is is not the answer to that position. Smith Rowe for me, I think his best role is is a ten. I think Smith Rowe's best position is a central attacking midfielder behind a striker, and we don't really play with that. I like him on the left, but I think that Smith Rowe's best position is probably when we sub out Erdegaard. If we want to sub, if we want to bring Erdegaard off. Put Smith Rowe where Odegaard is. I think that's where you're going to get the best of him. He's not the same as Odegaard. He's not a creator in the same way Odegaard is. He's much more direct. But I think that Smith Smith Rowe's best position is is, is an attacking midfielder. That's why we gave him the number ten. I think that's his best position. Uh, Dayo says, "Would you want him sold?" Want is not the word, because I don't want to see Smith Rowe sold. It's horrible the idea of selling Smith Rowe because he's a Hailing graduate. But what I can't ignore is that Arteta doesn't seemingly have a space for him. And the reality is, is if we had a player on the bench that Arteta was more trusting of, that he felt fit into his philosophy more, we'd be stronger. I don't think anyone can debate that point. If we had a player that Arteta wanted to use more than Smith-Rowe, we'd be stronger. That's that's the reality, isn't it? You know? So... I don't want to see Smith-Rowe sold, no, especially not to a side like Chelsea. But the reality is that if we had someone on the bench that Arteta wanted to use more than Smith-Rowe, we would be stronger. And I don't think many people can argue with that. Um, Fairs, indeed. Uh, Rob says, that's missed chances stat is amazing. When you drill it down, Haaland is the worst big chances to goal ratio, 13 to 8 in the Premier League. He misses nearly two times more than he scores. And Jesus Sacconetti are virtually one-to-one. But the thing is, is that he gets so many chances and he's made a career off getting loads of chances, of being that focal point. And that's again, brings me back to the Tony thing. Because when Haaland's in a situation where he is a focal point, he's still getting tons and tons and tons of goals. He's also helping contribute as well because Pep's changed him into a player that can also contribute. And I think that with us, I just think we need to go for something more of a higher calibre than, than, than Ivan Tony. Um, uh, Wes says, when Partey is available, are you 100% convinced that Arteta will put him back into the midfield or persist with him at right back? No, I'm not 100% convinced that he'll put him in midfield because I know what Arteta's like. I know how stubborn Arteta can be. And so, no, I'm not 100% convinced. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's uh, and ironically, we were performing better in those games with Partey at right back statistically compared to last season. And we talked about those stats and have already done those stats. And since he's actually left the right back position, those statistics have dropped quite significantly. So, so there is some interesting stats there. Um, Abdul says, "Come on, Tom uh, Smith Rowe was such an obvious sub against Spurs, but he chose to keep Nketiah on. This was the perfect game for Smith Rowe to prove himself. Should have been subbed way earlier." I don't know what the, the come on Tom is about at the start because this is what I said in the reactions and on the Let's Talk Arsenal show. I said that Smithrow coming on the 93rd minute was ridiculous. Smithrow should have been on for Enketia about 75 minutes in. I would have brought Smithrow on. 
So I don't know. I don't know what the come on Tom's about, Abdul, because I I agree with you and you agree with me. So it's a strange one that. Uh, Jabu says, "I remember we always said we needed a different striker off the bench. Now we have an opportunity and we don't want it. For me, off the field is own is the only issue." Um, and I think we have, ironically, that. I think we have a different striker off the bench, and I think that is ironically Kai Havertz. I think Kai Havertz offers us something different. Um, so there you go. Uh, Clive says, just catching up, Tom. Love the Tony chat. Let's get this right. If the deal works and we can sell to buyer, then let's do it. Um, Clive, I, I think you'll probably hear me talk a lot about uh, when you catch up with the Tony stuff and you'll get to this point of me reading out your comment. If if it means that we if it if it means it doesn't stop us from signing a elite player in the summer in that role, then 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 I don't have necessarily an issue. My problem is that I fear that signing Tony will stop us from signing a player that really does transform us. That's my fear, and I don't think it's too bad of a fear, and I don't think the numbers convince me that. Um, that Tony is is the, uh, uh, the is this transformative player for us. You know, I think we should be waiting and going for the Ozymens or the player that becomes the next Ozymen. You know, if that's if that is Ferguson in a year's time, we see what he does, then go get him. You know, I I just I just think that getting Tony is could be something we regret in the same way that there's a lot of regrets about Havertz. Um, as well, you know, because we've invested a lot of money in Havertz and now it's kind of got to work. I'm not saying that it's in, it's the same in the sense that Havertz, you know, was not in great form for three years, where Tony's been in good form for three years. That's not that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is if we've signed Havertz, Havertz now kind of has to work because we've invested a lot of money in that. You're not going to see Arsenal go out and spend another £65 million to replace him. They're going to have to make Havertz work now. So if we spend £60 million on Tony, it's got to work. You know, it's got to be the guy that transforms. If, and if, if Tony suddenly isn't the guy that's taking us to the level of City, then old, oh no, <laughs> oh dear, we're stuck. So that's that's my fear. That is that is my fear. Jabby says, what about the eye test? Is it not a major consideration? Sure. In, in what sense though? Because there is nothing in the eye test that tells me anything more than what the numbers tell me. So I, I, I don't get it. The eye test is often used, um, I think, as kind of a stats don't matter. I see this guy. He's better. Why? Well, because I can see that. Well, nothing's supporting that evidence. Nothing support. No evidence is supporting that claim. So I can't, you know, call your eye test. But nothing's nothing here is helping me to see that that is the case. So that's that's a problem. Mikey says, let's try to be functional, Tom, and win games. Let's put transformational to one side. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Look, I'm only talking about the Tony thing now because it's being talked about this week. You know, if we're talking about being functional now, we need to get Jesus back to centre forward. We need to hope that Trossard and um, and Martinelli come back. And we need to hope that Partey comes back. That If we're being functional, that's what we do. Jesus got to go centre forward. And we've got to work out a system around him as centre-forward because the best game we've played this season was with Jesus at centre-forward. But we had Trossard and we had Rice and we had Havertz, you know. So, yeah, we've got, uh, we we have to, have to, have to get Jesus back to centre-forward and that is the way forwards. Um, Daniel says, fans were using stats to say we was better than Spurs, the eye test. 
The ironic thing is, is that the the eye test against Spurs, to me, said that if Jesus takes his chance and we turn him up, we win the game. If Jorginho doesn't make the mistake he does and we hold that 2-1 scoreline, we win the game. If we don't, if Rea doesn't push the ball back into that area of uncertainty and we concede it goes 1-1 before half-time, we probably win the game. If Rice is fit for the full game, we win the game. I think there's so many more scenarios where we win that game compared to Spurs winning or drawing that game. So that's my eye test. That's not based on stats. That's my eye test that tells me that. So, yeah, look, I think of, of the two sides, I think Arsenal were more deserving, but I don't think deserving enough on the whole to, to deserve the win. And But so many scenarios where Arsenal come out on top, way more than, than Spurs. Uh, Fouad says, Tom, do you think Arteta and Edu are leaning too much on Premier League experience? No, not at all. I think it's a great thing that's turned us into the team that we are today. I think we can still go into the market in the continent, on the continent and... Uh, and get some great players. But no, doing what we've done in the market regarding Premier League signings has changed us into the team that was 11th and, and moved us into a team that competed for a title last season. So no, I don't think so. Uh, hybrid squad, Sophie says, we have to bounce back. No excuses. Uh, we have to bounce back against Bournemouth. Brentford, I'm not really that fussed about. Um, look, if we go on and win the Carabao Cup, great. Fantastic. Do you know who won't care? everybody else no one will care we might care no one else will care do you care that man united won the carabao cup last season no do you care that man city won the league yes do you care that man city won the champions league yes do you care that man city won the fa cup yes do you care that man united won the carabao cup no <laughs> no the carabao cup has become a comedy competition the reward for winning the carabao cup is a chance to qualify for the Conference League. That's what the League Cup is now. 20, 30 years ago, the League Cup was something to, to really go for. It was a cup that had a lot more prestige about it, a lot more um, hype about it. You know, I, I wanted to win the League Cup, but uh, I'm not fussed. I'm really, really not fussed. And to be honest, like going far in that competition is, is in all likelihood going to have a detrimental effect on on us potentially having good seasons in the other competitions that is the reality because we have it's more chances for injuries to happen it's more chances for fatigue to build up uh if you offered me champions league qualification this season or the league cup but we don't qualify for the champions league i'm taking the champions league qualification every single day of the week the fact that the League Cup would be picked over a shot of the Champions League because we are a team, for me, that are on the pathway to potentially being a side that can compete, if not already, in the Champions League. I think Arsenal should be trying to go to win the Champions League this season. It's a cup competition. It's knockout. Anything can happen. And we've got a great squad. Let's go for the Champions League. You know, the Premier League, I think, is going to be a bit step too far for us this year across 38 games because we've had too many misfortunes already at the start of the season with injuries. The Champions League is really something we can go for. Really something we can go for this season. We're good enough to go for it. We've got a good enough squad to go for it. And I don't want something like the League Cup ruining that. And I don't want something like that, meaning that we don't get top four and can't go for it next season. It would be mad if we don't finish in the Champions League qualification spots. And I would have a serious inquest into what on earth happened. Don't get me wrong. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't care. 
I'm happy to put that out in the ether. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'm happy to someone to come on the show and tell me why I'm wrong. I, I don't care about the League Cup anymore. Arsenal, for me, are bigger than that tournament. Call me arrogant as much as you like, but I think Arsenal are just bigger than they. And I know that because I don't care who wins it. I care who wins the other three competitions. I care who wins the FA Cup. I care who wins the league. I care who wins the Champions League because I want to win those competitions. Arsenal winning the League Cup to me is like, cool. You know, it's just one step beyond the the, the community shield for me. It's like... The community win the community shield was like cool. Like, you know, the, you know what the best thing about winning the community shield was? It wasn't the trophy. It was the fact that that game showed to me that this team can compete against the Man City side across 90 plus minutes and go toe to toe them, toe to toe with them with Rice and Partey. I learned so much from that community shield game. The 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 shield itself was a bonus, you know, if anything. But I cared more about the game. You know, I cared more about what I learned in the Community Shield than I did about winning the Community Shield. And it was up against a City side that, you know, took it seriously and both teams were taking it seriously. It wasn't a friendly for me. You know, it wasn't a friendly in the sense that I'm calling the game a trophy. It just wasn't a friendly. It was a competitive game that at the end of it, someone got a trophy for it that's in inverted quotation marks. And for me, the League Cup is just a distraction. The League Cup is a chance for me to throw the kids in. My team for tomorrow is Ramsdale, Cedric, Tomiyasu, Gabriel, Kivior, Jorginho, Miles Lewis Skelly, Fabio Vieira, Reese Nelson, Smith Rowe, Havertz. That's my team. I'm not sure we're going to get a chance to do a preview because I'm out this evening, but uh, that's my team. I'd play Miles Lewis Skelly, I'd play Cedric, I'd save Saliba, I'd save Zinchenko, I'd save Saka, I'd save Rice, I'd save Trossard or Martinelli, I'd save Jesus, I'd save them all. Keep them fit, keep them protected. Don't let him, I'd take Gabriel out if you told me to. I'd put Tommy Asu left centre-back and Raw Waters at right centre-back. I really would. And that's not me saying I want to throw it because I'm saying that I want that team to go out and play to the best of their ability. But I'm only playing our fringe players in that competition. I'm not playing our starters. I'm not risking, I'm not risking Jesus in a Carabao Cup game. I'm not risking Saliba. I'm not risking Saka. I'm not risking. The only reason I'm playing Havertz is because I think it's an opportunity for him to get some more minutes. It's an opportunity for him to get some more confidence. It's an opportunity for him to try and score. You know, that's the only reason I'm playing him. Smith Rowe and Nelson need minutes. Fabio Vieira is the obvious pick there. I'd love to see a youngster blooded in like Miles Lewis Skelly. He deserves an opportunity. If Nwanieri deserved it last season, Miles Lewis Skelly deserves it this season. You know, Jorginho needs minutes. If we're going to need to bring him in for the Bournemouth game, get him playing. Tommy Asim and Kivior need minutes. Ramsdale must play. Cedric is just a, you know, he's just there. <laughs> you know, I haven't really got an opinion on Cedric playing. But I'd just rotate everybody. I'd rotate the entire squad. So, yeah. Uh, Mikey says, Tom, I think content creators like yourself owe these spaces a deep dive analysis and rewatch of Kai's performance to calm the, nat uh, the narratives. Uh, or natives, as Kai Slander is very corrosive to the player and the team. Uh, if you want a analysis on Kai, I wrote an entire piece on his game against Crystal Palace and on all the good things that he did in that game. So um, go and read that. I've done that. You know, go and read it. Um, let's go to Rob says re injuries. I feel like selling Xhaka and Balogun has already bit us on the ass. Um, I don't agree about Balogun. Uh, Balogun. You know, was never going to get a chance, and uh, you know it's not going great at <laughs> Monaco at the moment either. And I think we got a very good fee for him. 
Jacker, I'm totally in agreement with. I wish we hadn't have sold Jacker. I miss Jacker. I wish he'd stayed another season. I think he wanted to go, and that made things very difficult for us. Uh, yeah, but yeah. And PS, totally agree with you. Read the League Cup, get experience and minutes into players. So he says it's silverware, Charlie. Man City fans and Liverpool fans desperate for his part of the quadruple. That's the yeah. I tell you what, Sophie, that is the only thing. If Arsenal had won the treble, yes, that's that's a reason to win the League Cup. You've hit the nail on the head, Sophie. The only reason to win the League Cup is to try and win the quadruple. That is it. That is the only only reason I'd want to win the League Cup is is if it meant we'd we'd potentially have won the quadruple. And you could say that. that. That's it. And that's the only reason, by the way, Man City and Liverpool fans would as well, as part of a quadruple. They could take it or leave it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Um, I know I don't see Carabao ever doing a sponsorship of the channel uh, after that. But uh, <laughs> quite frankly, I'd rather have my opinion on it than... Uh, than, than, than that. I, I used to think differently. I've changed my mind on it. I used to used to argue the point that I think it was a trophy and I'd rather look back on it in 30 years' time than qualifying for the Champions League. But I don't look at it that way anymore because I'm living in the here and now. And uh, I'd much, much rather, I'd much rather have a shot at the Champions League than, than win the League Cup. And, and that's not to say that you can't do both. You know, you could finish in the top four or top five this season and win the League Cup, of course. Um, but I, I think that it's it's harder to go for the title. It's harder to go for the FA Cup. It's harder to go for the Champions League if you're going throughout the Carabao. The semi-final is two legs. That in itself is a disgrace. <laughs> like the semi-final of the League Cup is two legs. That is a joke. Like why is it two legs? It doesn't need to be two legs. Chuck it at a random stadium if you like and make it a neutral ground. But the fact that it's semi-final is two legs is is a joke. It makes it even worse. It makes it even more taxing of a competition. So if, if we win it, I'm going to celebrate because I like Arsenal winning. I celebrate Arsenal winning always, you know. I celebrated us winning the Community Shield. I wasn't really that fast, <laughs> but I celebrated it because I'm an Arsenal fan. Me not necessarily caring about things. I celebrated when we score a goal in pre-season. I celebrate when um, Smith Rowe comes off the bench. That feels like a trophy these days. <laughs> I know, because I'm an Arsenal fan. So I'm going to celebrate it, but I'm not going to reference the League Cup as kind of, you know, this bastion of achievement if we've finished poorly in the league or finished poorly in the Champions League. You won't get me saying that. You won't get me talking about the League Cup like I talk about the FA Cup, you know? I just won't. The FA Cup is stands alone as the greatest domestic cup competition on the planet, you know, without a doubt. The League Cup's named after an energy drink and no one cares about it. <laughs> that's that's the reality of that competition. And it, it and the reward for winning it is the chance to qualify for the Conference League, which is basically the UEFA version of the League Cup. <laughs> it's got West Ham fans calling themselves the champions of Europe. So what? Are Man United the champions of England because they won the Carabao Cup last year? No. <laughs> of course not. Like, yeah, it's just, it's comedy is all that it is. It's comedy, it's a distraction, and it's a chance for rotation. And I'm going to be there tomorrow night. So make sure you watch uh, and stay tuned to the Football.London Live blog as we hopefully see some exciting youngsters given opportunities. Uh, hopefully see Havertz get some confidence into his legs. And uh, we see Declan Rice, Bakaya Saka, Gabriel Jesus, William Saliba, Ben White, 
Thomas Partey, Leander Trossard, Gabriel Martinelli, Eddie Nketiah, the lot. Nowhere near this team. Don't put them anywhere near this. Keep them away. <laughs> you know, lock them away somewhere. Do not take them. <laughs> please don't risk them in this competition. I beg of you, Arteta. Please. Just like subtly make it so that you're, you look like you're trying to win it. I'm not saying I want us to lose. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't care if we do. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. I don't want us to lose. I just don't care if we do lose. Um, I tell you what, I do care if we lose. I care if we lose any of our starters to injury. You know? <laughs> I, know I, I know this is the one of the worst rants I've ever done, but I just, I can't get over it. I can't find any reason to care about it. And Sophie, I would more than happily jump on a show and debate with, with Kev about this. I just can't find a reason. It's like people saying we need to win a trophy. No one cares about that. No one is going to turn around. I tell you what, Mikel Arteta has gained barely any credibility at all to his biggest critics by winning the FA Cup. That FA Cup victory meant nothing months after we won it to his biggest critics. So why on earth would the League Cup change that? <laughs> why, why would that change that for anybody? You know? So, yeah. Anyway, we've been going for nearly an hour. You can tell it's my day off today. Um, I, <laughs> I It's been fun. We've had a rant on Tony. We've had a rant on uh, transfers. We've had a rant on the League Cup. We've had a rant. We've had loads of rants. I hope that it's entertained you. I hope that you drop a like on the video. I hope that you subscribe to things here. I hope you come back tomorrow morning. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to join you. It's been so great seeing so many of you in the chat box um, and giving your opinions and your views. And uh, I will be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. I am at an event this evening that I will update you on how it went tomorrow morning. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. It's a bit of a first for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But thank you, everybody that's tuned in. And uh, stay safe, stay well, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.